Hello, it's Vikas Porta, Chairman of the Vaki Foundation. You are listening to a session from our Global Education and Skills Forum, a place where leading politicians, businesses, philanthropists, activists, and of course, the world's best teachers share, debate, and discover new ways for education to transform our world. Keep the global conversation going and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with the hashtag GESF. My name's Karen Giles. I'm a trustee or an advisor to the Board of Trustees of the Varkey Foundation. And um, I'm going to introduce Professor Peter Dalton. Um, Peter is the professor who has been conducting this research over a number of years. Peter and I first met in 2013, if you remember, um, when you were launching the first Global Teacher Status Index report, making that correlation between the status of teachers and how we operate. And then um, five years, exactly five years later, Peter was commissioned to further research into this area regarding the status of teachers. But this time, we found a correlation between, and I think this is the most fascinating piece of information, which is probably why you're all here, which was around the connection to pupil performance. So, it's the most comprehensive study ever around the teacher respect in the world. And as I said, this is something, in fact, that was, has inspired the Global Teacher Prize. We're all here for the Global Teacher Prize tonight, um, the ceremony at six and the, um, the awarding of the, the, um, the Global Teacher Prize to, uh, you know, lots of money. But actually, that's about elevating the status of teachers. So it was based on an in-depth opinion poll, and Peter worked in collaboration with the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, 35,000 adults aged 16 to 64, 5,500 additional serving teachers across 35 countries. And so this new report is linking pupil, um, at, sorry, pupil outcomes and teacher status and confidence in the education system rising throughout the world. So findings are mainly these, because I really want to leave enough time for Peter to elaborate on the research. But particularly, I want to give you the opportunity to ask the questions, because we've got quite a small audience, a relatively small audience, which means that you will be able to have more of the time and make this more bespoke to you. I'm very interested in those people who are sitting at the back, are you the naughty, the naughty children, the naughty children sitting at the back? Okay, and those people sitting further away as well. So please feel free to, to come in, um, come closer. So number one, higher teacher status may affect pupil outcomes. And so 2018 GTSI, as we call it, shows for the very first time the direct, direct link between teacher status and pupil performance, and that's measured by PISA scores. So it's saying that higher state teacher status may drive greater student outcomes in a country. Teachers are being paid less than people think is fair. So that's, be very clear, it's not about teachers being paid less, it's about what people think they should be paid for the job that they do. And in 28 of the 35 countries in 2018, teachers are being paid less than the amount people consider to be the fair wage for the job. 
Teachers work longer hours, we know that, don't we, generally, than most people would estimate in all but six countries of the 35 countries that have been polled, the general public underestimates often considerably the number of hours teachers work per week. Teacher status is rising, so some good news. It's rising globally. Of the 21 countries that were polled initially in 2013 and again in 2018, 13, that's two thirds, have seen their teacher status score increase. This again may not surprise you, but teacher status is higher in Asia than in Europe and North America. Out of the 35 countries that were polled in 2018, the Asian nations of China, India, Indonesia, Malaysia, South Korea, and Taiwan rank higher in terms of teacher status than every European country and every Western nation, including Canada, New Zealand, and the US. And then support for performance-related pay has fallen across the world. Every single country polled in 2013 and again in 2018 reports often considerably lower support for teachers being paid according to the results of their pupils than they did five years ago. So people's confidence in their own country's education system is increasing around the world. And in 17 of the 21 countries, that were surveyed in both 2013 and 2018, people rate their national education system higher now than they did five years ago. So, Peter, would you like to share your research? It's absolutely fascinating. I hope that you're going to be able to take great things from it and also prepare some questions, because even though I may have one or two questions for Peter, I'm really keen to hear your questions and make sure that this is relevant for you. Peter. Super. Uh, thank you very much. Fantastic introduction. Can everyone hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I'm going to start with a question. Which famous man said, if we want to change the world, we need to change teacher status? Any suggestions? You weren't paying attention in the plenary yesterday, were you? Vikesh Potas said that. Okay. So, I mean, this is a constant theme of Varki, who I must, from the outset, thank hugely for funding this study. And they, they funded the earlier study, which I'm gonna briefly talk about as well. Okay, so one question which I think some of you have is, how can I get a copy of the report? This is the report, okay? Um, and it's uh, got a lot of detail in it, a lot of statistics, and a lot of the arguments are there. Uh, I can only really summarize what the conclusions are. I, I urge you to go to it, and if you have questions, to actually get back to me. The, if you Google the hashtag GTSI on the first slide, GTSI 2018, uh, you'll find a link to it and you can get the whole PDF, okay? So that, that's from the outset. If you're interested, I urge you to go to the detail because there's a lot of detail, a massive detail. Okay, um, I should say it's, I've got co-authors on this. I didn't do this just by myself. It's a, it's a massive effort. Um, so it's a report which... Um, has a number of motivations. Uh, the main motivations are, you know, what is the occupational status of teachers? H how do we actually understand that? And uh, interestingly, in the last lecture in this room, last presentation in this room, uh, how many of you are here for Steven Pinker's presentation? Yes, I mean, he said, um, and he was talking about enlightenment. Enlightenment is the posing of questions to people and the answering of them. And that's exactly what we did with this survey. 
exactly what we did. We asked an awful lot of people what they thought. And I think that's a way of us beginning to marshal evidence about what teacher status means. And I think it's quite important to say it means something different probably to the general public than it does to teachers, which is absolutely fundamental to this survey. We asked both communities, okay? Second question is, does it vary in different countries? And the answer is hugely, absolutely hugely. Um, a theme which constantly comes up is, can we distinguish status, occupational status, from pay? Can we literally say, because in some cultures, literally, what people are paid is a measure or proxy for their status. Is that necessarily the case? Uh, the answer is not necessarily. Um, does, does, and this is something that politicians want to know. They want to know, and it's very interesting we have education ministers at this conference, because if you probe them about, you know, should we pay teachers more, they'll say yes. But if you probe them about, well, how are you going to afford that? Okay, they'll, they'll, they'll equivocate and they say, oh, well, but, you know, we all love teachers and we don't necessarily need to pay them more because they're loved by everyone. That's, we know that's not true. Okay, so the link between status and pay is, is terribly important. And it's not necessarily the case that you can compensate for a lack of pay by saying, well, they're high status. Um, one of the most dramatic findings that I'm going to briefly sketch and show you a picture of is the correlation between pay and performance. And by performance, I mean PISA scores. So what we've done with this data is link the data to PISA scores. And what we see is that teacher pay does correlate with performance. We also see that if you combine pay and status, they both correlate with performance, performance of school kids. So this is terribly important. So there's a brief, I mean, with, with Karen's summary and my summary, you've got the basic messages that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to show you some graphs which actually elaborate this. Okay, but first of all, before I do that, I need to say a little bit about the, the data because this is a, a big, big study. We, we, did, we did a study in 2013, uh, which was 1,000 people in 21 countries, and you can get that report too. This is a five-year follow-up later, which we expanded, okay? And we expanded that in a number of ways. We asked many more countries to participate. We had uh, 35 countries in it. And we also asked 200 teachers in most of those countries as well. So we have evidence from what the general public think and what the teachers themselves think. And we have evidence on hours of work. Um, we have evidence on culture, background, religious affiliations. We also did some very, very innovative things inside the survey in terms of measuring people's cognitive reflection, um, doing probing people about what word associations they have when they think about aspects of teachers, and so on. So I brought together a team which involves psychologists as well as statisticians and economists in order to think about things. We have the most comprehensive data ever on what people think about wages, what they think about what teachers actually earn, what they think they should earn, what's a fair wage, and what they think they actually work, and so on. This is the most comprehensive data set of its kind. Um, we have lots about perceptions of salaries and fairness. Um, we also do, uh, how many of you have heard of Daniel Kahneman, the uh, Nobel Prize winner uh, in e economics? He's actually a psychologist. Um, he's wrote, written a book called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, 
which is all about the, the, the different parts of the brain, our immediate reactions and our considered reflections. We have a lot in this survey which actually capitalizes on those thoughts, trying to distinguish between people's initial reactions and their considered reflections. This is a substantive, rigorous piece of work. Okay, so which countries are involved? 35 countries, they're listed there. Um, and most of it was online. Some of it was face-to-face -face in countries where we can't get uh, adequate online responses. Um, 27 countries also had the 200 teachers as well. Um, and uh, the sample was, the initial sample was 1,000 adults from age 16 to 64. Um, and we had quotas. I mean, some of you are, if you're a bit geeky, I can talk to you afterwards about the statistics. So we had quota sampling to make sure we have a, a representative population based on age, gender, region in the country, and age quotas and so on as well. And we also had these 200 teachers in each country. What we then do is also link this data by country with the PISA data. So we know about the countries on average from our survey, and we link that data to the PISA data in terms of pupil performance. And there's questions on many of the personal characteristics you would need. Questions on occupation, sector, wages, marital status, all sorts of things. Big on attitudes and perceptions. What do people think about teachers? And then also what teachers think about themselves, their jobs, and their conditions. We asked people to rank occupations, and we chose a set of 14 occupations, which are basically sort of graduate, comparable occupations in some cases, to get the notion of rankings on uh, respect, on pay, and status. We asked for information about political attitudes, well-recognized well questions. We also asked about cognitive reflection, which is a, 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 a simple three-question way of basically getting people's score on cognitive reflection, how quickly they think and how, and how smart they think. Okay? So actually, that's quite dynamite. It's not in the report because I'm saving that for, for later. It's, it's actually um, basically how smart people think across the world. It's, it's extraordinary. We, we can do an awful lot of work uh, uh, on this data. And these are the occupations we ask people to rank, okay? So many of the ones that in many cultures you would recognize uh, are more or less universally known to be of high status, like doctor or lawyer or whatever. Um, but many that are, some of which are, are comparable in other ways, and some more modern-sounding uh, modern uh, occupations like web designer or management consultant. Because we wanted to rank teachers not against uh, sort of people in manual or blue-collar jobs. We wanted to rank teachers against other professionals and other graduate-type jobs. So that's the, the, the important thing to bear in mind when you consider our rankings. And we, rank, we asked people to rank them on uh, respect, pay, and status. Okay? Um, and we also did a number of clever things associated with um, randomizing half the sample getting certain questions first, half the sample getting questions later. We also did a number of things. Uh, how many of you have heard of Richard Thaler, who's also won the Nobel Prize? He, he wrote a book uh, on nudges. So literally, are people stimulated to do behaviorally certain things by a certain kind of response? We had that in the questionnaire too, okay? Um, so our key findings. Uh, We've, we've already briefly indicated them. I'm going to show you some pictures. Um, one which compares the 
status index we have today, 2018 with 2013. Um, we're going to ask the question, who do people think teachers are similar to in terms of what occupation? And you'll see it's very different in different countries. Um, and as has already been said, uh, teachers in most countries are paid an awful lot less than people think they should be and actually are. And people underestimate systematically how many hours they actually do. That's not going to be a surprise to those of you who are teachers in the audience. Um, um, but fundamentally also, this really matters because it doesn't just matter about on the ground each teacher in each school. It also matters because the higher the status that we accord teachers, we know from this data the better the outcomes for everybody, the better the outcomes for our pupils, and the better things will be in the future. Okay, so key findings. Let me just show you some of them. This is the, this is the status index, um, and if you look at the countries in the order, so that the highest bar is the, the, the country with the most status, um, compared to the countries at the bottom, you'll see real diversity. And bearing in mind we've got all the data about culture and religion and all sorts of other institutional information as well. So we can explain the way in which this pattern works. This is just the index which summarizes that basic mass of data. Um, and just if you didn't see that in terms of the, the details, so it's measured relative to the country with the highest status, which is uh, China. All right. Um, and you'll notice a predominance of um, Eastern, Southeast Asian uh, countries at the top. And I don't think that's any coincidence in terms of the culture that a teacher has in those societies. Um, I'm, knowing, I'm just telling you anecdotally, over the course of my career, the most respect I'm accorded as a, as a teacher too, because I'm, I'm a university professor, but I'm also a teacher, uh, is by, uh, by pupils from the Far East, students from the Far East, who have a, a reverence for the, I guess you could probably call it the Confucian culture of the teacher. Um, down the bottom, uh, you've got countries what, for one reason or another are, are less fortunate in terms of natural resources or, or the size of the economy, but other countries where it's really quite a mystery. What, why are they down there? Okay, so I could spend quite a lot long, longer, which I don't have, talking about the reasons, but that's just the data. One of the most important things is, I said we did this survey in 2013. When we did it in 2018, basically the very, very similar pattern. If you look here, this shows you the countries, the 21 countries that are in both. We've now got 35, but the 21 countries that are in both, there's a high correspondence between the way in which this status looks. So China was top in 2013, and it's top now, okay? And all the way down the bottom, the countries at the bottom were at the bottom in 2013 too. So this is remarkable. We took 25,000 people before in 2013, 41,000 people today, and the answers are the same. Okay, these are different people across five years apart. The answers are the same. One of two of you may notice how things change a little bit. Um, if you just look there, the difference between these two uh, graphs, some of the blue bars are higher than some of the green bars. If I plot the difference, this is what you get here. So which countries have moved up, which countries have moved down? And it's no surprise to me, just anecdotally thinking about it, which are the countries at the bottom? Which of the countries over the period 2013 to 18 have had the most traumatic time in one way or another? Possibly. Greece, okay, we know what's happened in Greece. 
Egypt with the Arab Spring, etc. Uh, these are remarkable. This is having an effect on the whole of society and the whole of culture. Okay, the second, uh, the second finding which I think will interest you is comparable occupations. That's too detailed to look at, but um, essentially I'm going to summarize that very, very briefly. What's the occupation which is most similar to teachers in which country? Um, and in China, Russia, and India, the most, people say the most similar occupation to a teacher in those countries is a doctor. Um, in many countries, Israel, Greece, Egypt, etc., people will say, what's the most similar to a teacher? They'll say social worker. Um, very few countries, hardly any, uh, say they're similar to local government managers. Um, in a few countries, the US and the Netherlands, they say they're similar to librarians. In Ghana and New Zealand, they say they're most similar to nurses. I think this tells us an awful lot about the way people perceive the role of a teacher and the status of a teacher in society and the job they do and their importance. Um, I think this is terribly important. In the UK, um, it's more or less equal, equal between social worker and nurse is the most comparable job to a teacher. Okay, finding three, key finding three, fair pay. Um, again, lots of massive detail here. Um, what I should say is essentially we ask people, before we ask them, Anything else we said, what do, you, what do you think a teacher earns in your, in your country, okay? A beginning teacher. And then we told them how much they actually earned, and then we said, what do you think they should earn? What would be a fair pay? So we established what they thought and their information set was before we then asked them, and so we didn't pollute their views and perceptions from the beginning. We, we had that as a benchmark, okay? Um, more, more fancy graphs. But basically, you can see that uh, if you look at the, the blue dot here, this is the uh, estimated actual wage, and the, um, uh, sorry, the blue dot is the perceived fair wage, and the gray uh, triangle, uh, the gray um, diamond is the estimated actual wage. In most countries, there's a correspondence between them, okay, um, but it's always the case that people perceive the fair wage to be higher than their actual pay, okay? Um, this, is, this is really quite important. Um, systematically, in most countries of the world, people believe that teachers are not paid a fair wage and uh, paid less than what they deserve. Next key finding uh, is about working hours. Um, and we ask people what, remember we've got members of the general public, a thousand of them, and we've got 200 teachers, so we asked the members of the general public, how, how many hours do you think a teacher works? Okay, And we ask the teachers, how many hours do you actually work? So this is the picture of the differences between them. Again, we've got uh, the teacher sample uh, is the, the gray dots. So this is all, all the sizes of the gray dots are saying, uh, you know, this is how much extra over the blue dots than people perceive they actually work. Okay, um, And we graph that. So, And you can think of that this in terms of hours there, I'm, I'm looking myself. Um, so roughly speaking, at the right-hand end, uh, people in Peru, um, Argentina, it was interesting, we had the Argentinian education minister in. Um, I was so tempted to ask him, why, why, why in your country are teachers working so many more hours than people think they are? And why, and in another graph in my, in my report, you'll also see they're actually paid one of the lowest countries in the world in terms of where they stand in the income distribution of their country. Um, 
So I think he, he, was a, he was a very positive message politically about all the things he's done, but I think he's got a big challenge coming because it's still not right. Coming back to the graph. So you can see all the way down that in most countries, nearly all countries, um, people underestimate how much teachers actually work. And we're talking you know, 12, up to 14 hours a week more than people think. This is extraordinary, okay? I mean, for those teachers in the room, uh, this will be no surprise. This is something you, you know. Um, actually, my, my daughter-in-law suggested this question, and it's the one that's probably caused the most uh, uh, controversial uh, fuss and the most, um, uh, the most attention has been quite, uh, the most attention has been uh, focused on it. Next question, and, and this has come up in one or two sessions, uh, should teachers be paid for the performance of their children? Okay. Uh, I think this is really quite controversial, and it's really interesting. In the zeitgeist in 2013, it was the case that there was much more popular support for performance-related pay than there was in 2018. And that's illustrated in this picture here, um, which is probably best. That's it's a lag here. Okay, so the, the green bars are the 2013 support, uh, sorry, the green bars are the 2018 support for performance-related pay. The blue bars are the 2013 support. So you can see that in 2013, there was a sizable fraction of people in the general public who thought that teachers ought to be paid by performance-related pay, how good and how well their pupils do. But uh, by 2018, that support in just about every country in the world has really waned. Okay? I think we now see the world in a much more nuanced way and say that this isn't really the answer. But it was, we lose perspective on this, it was what people thought the answer was about five or more years ago. Okay, um, I leave probably the most important result to last because it's the one with the most important ramifications. When we think about teacher status, teacher pay, uh, the logical question is, how much does it really matter? And so the acid test, the acid test to, to any education minister is, well, what, what does that mean in terms of kids' outcomes? Unfortunately, now we have this wonderful data set that we've heard uh, earlier in this conference from Andreas Schleifer uh, about the PISA data set, which literally gives us performance indicators based on tests of 15 or 16-year-olds on three indicators, uh, uh, reading, science, and mathematics across many, many countries of the world. So we've linked our data to this data to see exactly what's going on. And this graph sort of sums up much of what's happening. This graph tells us that actually teacher wages does have an impact on pupil performance. Okay? This is really quite fundamental. In other words, if we say in any country this is how high we think the status is, this is what people think of the teaching profession, on average that also has an effect on their pay, their pay has an effect on the outcomes. This is just the two-dimensional, the effect of pay on PISA outcomes. But when you do the statistics you can look at both teacher status and teacher pay and they both positively influence pupil outcomes. This is the focus on pay, which we all sort of know. If you basically say this is a well-remunerated job, on average, many more young people are going to want to do the job because they'll get a better standard of living themselves, and this has a knock-on effect. The better the pay in a job, 
the higher the percentile we're drawing our teachers from, the more ability they have. Okay? So on average, on average, this is lots and lots of data here, on average, we're going to be doing a better job at recruiting the best people for the job and giving the pupils that then learn from them the best outcomes in terms of their tests and performance. This is absolutely fundamental. Okay, so those are the main results. Um, you've had them summarized now. I, th I think that it's worth pointing out there's lots, lots more in here, and there's lots more research that can be done, and anyone who wants to talk to me about those things, please feel free to uh, talk to me afterwards or, or email me. If you Google Peter Dalton, you'll see uh, all sorts of things that I'm doing. Um, but please get in touch and, and, and we can talk about things if you want to do that. I wanted to leave quite a lot of time for questions because, as you yeah. said, I think this is really important that there's a, a proactive feedback with Q&A. So um, I won't take questions just this minute because I just, I'm curious. I want to ask you, of course, you spent a lot of time and invested a, a lot in this research. Scientists tend to um, have a hypothesis and test that hypothesis. But with this, perhaps it was a little more open-ended. What was the thing that you thought, oh my goodness, I really didn't expect to get that? What was the most surprising fact or finding from this research? Um, well, I, I've, I've stressed the last result, but I knew the last result, and I've known the last result for some time. I, I published a paper in 2012 which had that result in it. So that wasn't the most surprising thing. I think probably the most surprising thing is the extent to which uh, literally the general public um, have a better impression of teachers as, a, as, a, as an occupation, but are absolutely surprised by how low their pay is and how many hours they work. I think it's not really a surprise, but that, that's the fundamental feeling, is that the general public feel frustrated on the part of teachers for the fact that they're not paid a fair wage and they work many more hours than they think they do. Even, even people who have kids and, and know how, how well the teachers do are still surprised at how many hours they actually work. I think probably those are the most telling things on the ground. I think there's a misconception that when the children go home, we go home. Yeah. Um, but there we go. And um, if you had one thing that you wanted to say to policymakers about this, because there's, this is the what and the so what in terms of what you've come up with here, the now what. So if you were going to, if there are policymakers in the room and they were sitting right here in the front row and they were going to go back to their respective countries and go into their ministries and parliament, etc., what would you want them to take with them? Okay, I'd actually emphasize something that I haven't talked about in this uh, brief summary because we also asked people, um, how much do you think is spent on education in your country? And then we told them how much was actually spent. And then we said, how would you like to see it spent in various categories of expenditure? Would you like to see lower class sizes? Would you like to see more computers? Would you like to see uh, more classroom assistants, more better buildings? What would you like? And we did that in a very innovative way. And that actually, that piece of work actually tells governments and government ministers what the public want to spend money on. And that isn't necessarily what the government ministers spend money on. And I think that is actually the biggest thing I would want to tell government ministers if I had them here as an audience. Actually, we know what the people want and it's not necessarily what you're giving them. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And um, I know that with this piece of research, you took the views of teachers. And um, was there anything from the views of teachers that differed 
quite a lot from the general public. I think I've, I've indicated a couple on the, on the hours and the fairness, which I, and I, which I think is, which is quite interesting. But what, one of the other things we did really innovatively um, was to ask members of the general public how much of a wage would it have to pay you to become a teacher, right? And then we asked the teachers, okay, how much of a wage would you have to earn to induce you to do a different job, okay? So we've got a measure of literally, I mean, the economists would call the labor elasticity of, of, with respect to wages, but forget the fancy term. This is what wage would induce you to come in if you're not a teacher, and what wage would induce you to leave if you are a teacher. That is really innovative. We, we, no one's ever done that before. So we can tell you, and remember we've got 35 countries across the world, yes. we can t and it's remarkably different, remarkably different. So I think that, that's also really quite fundamental. I challenged you when we spoke in November about producing some gender-specific outcomes from this research. This is very rich, and I'm sure that the, you know, there are going to be some differences by gender. What's the likelihood? I know that there's been talk about, well, you know, if I get some more money, I'll be able to do that. But what's the likelihood of us being able to maybe come back at another year or for you to put out yeah some gender-specific responses. Okay, I mean, just if you permit me a two-second commercial. Um, this, this data is so rich. In all those 35 countries, approximately we have a 50-50 sample of men and women, okay? So we can look in great detail at exactly those questions, fundamental questions. And I'm now seeking funding to do exactly that. I think, you know, we, there's so much we don't understand. And what I, what, just glimpsing at the data, what I know is it's remarkably different. The gender differences in perceptions and attitudes is remarkably different by country. The culture, and, and one thing I hadn't really realized until I'd done this, is we got a very detailed breakdown of people's religion. And religion and culture mm. are hand in glove. And that's also hand in glove with respect to the way men and women are perceived, the way that they conduct their lives, and so on. There's a massive piece of work to be done. And this data set, I reiterate, is the is the best data set that's ever been collected on this. 41,000 people across all those countries. We can do this. We haven't yet done it, but we can so do it. So another message to policymakers. So if you go back to your respective yep. countries, speak to your policymakers. If they want to invest in education, this would be a great starting point. Okay, so I'm going to take some questions. Um, I'm really wanting very concise questions, and not necessarily speeches, but an actual something that would have a question mark on the end of it or if it was in Spanish it would have a question mark upside down at the beginning of it so um, I'm and we're going to start with this gentleman over here um, with the teachers that you interviewed um, how many teachers were actually happy with their wages their salary um, that, that's something we didn't ask how happy were they, but, but we, did ask, we did ask what would induce you to leave, okay? And uh, in some cases, there was a few percent who, no matter what wage they thought about, they would never leave the job, okay? And in some sense, I think governments exploit that. I mean, so, I mean as a profession, most teachers are so dedicated that essentially it wouldn't matter what wage you offered them to another job they would never do it they're dedicated to their children and their and their pedagogical uh, raison d'etre and, and i think that that's terribly important but we, we can look we can look back at that question in some detail yeah, I, I just think that um you ask most people 
um, about their wage. They would always want a little bit more. Yeah, I, yeah. I, teachers aren't most people. No, I, I think that there's, a, there's quite a difference between teachers and, and other people, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can I just see who was interested? Lovely, because I just had lots of male hands up, and we now have a female hand up over here as well, and over here. So this okay. gentleman, and then this lady here, and then this gentleman. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Did you, in your research, establish from policymakers how much they want teachers to be paid? How much, do how much they want teachers to be paid? How, how much they should be paid? The policymakers, did well, you have an opportunity? Yes. Sorry, we, we didn't ask policymakers anything. We, we asked a thousand members of the general public, okay? So literally ordinary people, and we had that sample balanced by age and gender and all sorts of other things. So we wanted to know what people thought about teachers, respect, pay, status, etc. And we wanted to know what teachers thought about their own occupation. We didn't ask policymakers, okay? I guess if you, if you trawl the halls around these rooms, you'll get a, a, all I, sorts I, of perceptions I, on what... I, 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 mean, I wish you could be commissioned to, be, oh, to ask no. policymakers because well, this I, is where I our think, problem is. I think that that's another question. And, and incidentally, there was a session earlier today where there's uh, Education International have done a survey of teacher unions about what teacher status is. And that's a separate question again. But I think it's interesting, I mean, policy, if you mean by policymakers, politicians, I've met lots of them, and I, I could summarise their views, but probably not in this audience. Thank you very much. Lady here. Hello. Um, I was just interested to know how you um, chose the countries that you interviewed. A uh, very good question. Um, Varki Foundation funded this. I, I do re-emphasise that. It cost a lot of money. And as I say, it's the most comprehensive data set of its kind in the world. Uh, partly it was to do with what the Varki Foundation wanted. Uh, we wanted to have a balance by continent. So we've got countries in South America, we've got countries in Africa, countries in Europe, countries in the Far East. We wanted to have the big, big, big countries in terms of population, like India and China and so on. So some of it was decisions which literally sort of forced themselves to be included. Some of it were, were countries where Varki had a mission that they wanted to uh, go into in the future in terms of their, their foundation and the work they're doing. Um, and I, one of the questions I often get is, well, why isn't my country there? Um, the answer is, what we'd like to do in the future is have all the countries there. Um, and I think the, the model would probably be, well, if the, if the government was prepared to make a small contribution, rather like they do in the PISA, then we can actually expand this to all countries. And I think that would be the way to go. Thank you. This gentleman here. Uh, hi. Uh, my question is uh, more about the scope of the teachers interviewed or studied for this project. Um, for example, were these specifically public school teachers or private school teachers? Um, I ask because especially in the context of India where I come from, uh, private school teachers' salary and status um, can go from $50 a month to $2,000 a month. So how did you account for or control for these factors when studying countries like India and China? Okay, uh, we, we didn't, with only 200 teachers in each country, we didn't set out to have a certain fraction in public sector or the private sector. But we do, we do know that. But I have to say in most countries, obviously your country accepted, in most countries the, the fraction of public uh, private sector teachers 
in, in, in private fee-paying schools is really rather small. So I think that would, that would require a separate study, really. But I think I mean, there's a massive literature. I, I don't know how much you know, but uh, there's a massive literature on the differences, particularly in India, uh, between public and private sector. I mean, in fact, I have two PhD students working on that question. So, Two last questions, this gentleman over here and this lady here. I'm from Canada and interested in if we could dig into the d data at a provincial level rather than a federal level. Just wondering if we have access to that. Uh, yeah, we, in each country we know the geography uh, of, of the state. So in terms of Canada, yes, provincial level data is there. Yeah, we can do that. Thank you. Um, hi. So I'm interested in um, why um, the focus of this research was on the public's perception of teachers and that if maybe in the future you will expand the number of teachers who you ask about their professional status because um, I'm from Education International and in our um, uh, status of teachers survey we found that many teachers are actually telling us that um, they often have very precarious contracts, they have um, sometimes living below the poverty line, not getting a living wage, um, and these are kind of things which I think are very important to consider when we um, think about the status of teachers, not just the perceptions, but actually um, what conditions do they have and is this acceptable yeah. um, for a decent work? Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. I mean, I think uh, in an ideal world we'd have lots more teachers in each country and I, I mean actually I think we need a dialogue we, we need to join forces and I think we need to join forces with the OECD and the PISA to actually have surveys which have enough teachers enough members of the general public and enough uh, policymakers too I think this is terribly important but, but bear in mind this this survey and all the work involved cost around about half a million dollars so you know th this is a big style uh, a big style commitment and uh, again Marks to Varki for doing that. But I think, yes, we, we need to talk about ways of doing things bigger and better in the future and getting much, many more countries involved. And just if you would permit me a follow up question, um, I wasn't sure is your um, focus on um, primary and secondary, or and what Both. differences do you find? Um, Both. There, there are some differences, and, and that can be exploited as well. And also perhaps expanding to early childhood education because we find that the, the status there is often incredibly low. and. Yeah. That would be very interesting. No, all all excellent points. Yeah. Now, I've got time for you to sum up if you want to, Peter, or would you like to take another question? I'll, I'll take another question if, okay, if someone's... Okay, this lady yeah. over here, please. Um, it's also more a sample question. Was the sample obviously limited to countries that participated in PISA as your only performance indicator measure? Uh, no. Some of the countries you'll notice are excluded from the graphs where we're looking at PISA. There's, I think, three countries that didn't have PISA results uh, where literally Varki wanted to make sure that we covered those countries. Um, so I think, I think uh, that, that, that's a, an important consideration. Ideally, we'd like better data, and that's why I'm suggesting to the, to the, uh, the, the questioner from Education International, I think joining forces potentially Varki, Education International and the OECD to, to actually do more complete collection of data would be, would be a very good idea in the future, really good idea. Um, we don't have any more time, but that, you raising your hand will remind me to say, I want to say thank you very much to Professor Peter Dalton for his work and also making this research very palatable and very enjoyable. Thank you very much. Thank you.